Hey, microphone check. Hey, microphone check. Good morning, America. How are you? Don't you know me? I'm your native son. Good morning, America. How are you? I'm genuinely asking. How are you? You scared of COVID-19 right now? I am. Yeah, I am. I fall into that category. There's a few categories of people right now. Some fearless, acting like there's really not even a virus out there. And these people are just going about their usual business. These people say it's summertime. Of course, we're going to go on a vacation. Yeah, take the whole family. Pack masks? Fuck no. These people say we're going to live our lives. And then you have the other people scared shitless. These people are so scared. They will not leave their homes. Truly sheltering in place. And then you got some people who say, look, it's still summer. We still have to get to the beach. We still have to get out, take a little family vacation, but we are packing our masks. We're going to get takeout food and bring it back to the hotel. And those people, oh, those people are us. We did it. We took a vacation. We went down to Avila Beach for a few days. Avila Beach is near San Luis Obispo, and it is heavenly. There's no other way to describe it. Family friendly, could be for young people, could be for old people. Very versatile. Could be a bachelor, bachelorette party destination. Could be for party animals ready to rage or just people who want to chill out, unwind, relax, enjoy the sights, enjoy some seafood. So fabulous idea. I've been down there before with my wife and her family and they love it. The Minnesotans love Avila Beach. And before we went down, I called the hotel and I said, look. I'm scared. What are you doing down there that's different these days? And the lady said, sir, calm down. I'm wearing a mask and we're all wearing masks. And we have beach toys and beach chairs and beach umbrellas. And we're sanitizing everything. Sir, calm down. She loves saying, sir, calm down. And I wasn't even panicking. And we have a complimentary breakfast. Sir, calm down. And in the afternoon, we'll be serving pie. And champagne, sir, calm down. And then, for just 30 more dollars, we'll give you an oceanfront room, sir, calm down. I said, okay, I'm calm, we're coming. Here's my credit card number. I'll see you soon. We get down there, nobody's wearing a fucking mask. Where's the pie? Oh, we're not doing the pie uh, because of COVID-19. Where's the beach chairs? The beach umbrellas? (laughs) Because of the pandemic, we're not doing any of that. So go to your room. Really, that's basically it. The concierge says, here's the key. Uh, Go to your room. Is the town open? Yeah, the town's still open with a lot of precautions, a lot of new rules, a lot of new laws. And we still had a very nice time. Some beautiful moments. We did it. I feel like we accomplished something. I mean, if we didn't catch COVID, then we accomplished something. We proved you could still vacation. You're not supposed to. I get that. But you still have to maintain your sanity. And for a lot of people out there, They have to maintain their livelihood. So for a kid that's told, hey, the hotel is open, go work the front desk, he probably doesn't want to be there, but he has to be there. For all these waiters and waitresses and chefs out there who are making sure that we could dine on their patios or get takeout food, do they really want to work? No, they want paychecks coming in, but they'd love to shelter in place. Everybody wants the shelter in place, right? I mean, if paychecks are still coming in, 
that most people aren't like, I really wish we could just go to work, but some people have to go to work. That's what's happening. So I'd say 65, 70% of the town still wearing masks, but a lot of people not, and they're not social distancing. And I realized I am so scared. Honestly, if somebody was like four feet away from me at an ice creamery, no mask, and they laughed, I just would picture a spit particle from their mouth landing on my face. And even though I'm wearing a mask, I still have that trepidation of, "Uh oh, it's coming at me. Really, like everybody's an obstacle all of a sudden. They're not humans. These are just my obstacles. So beach time is perfect because you could really find a little area for the fam. But when we went for all you can eat crab, oh, I got my head on a swivel. Who looks sick? Who's laughing too hard? Who's coughing? Who's sneezing? So it's tough to relax when you're out there. We even went to a petting barn. There's like this farmer's market petting barn where a bunch of goats are caged up for kids to pet them and feed them. And there were some people who were getting too close to us, too close. My wife and daughter, they went in the chicken coop area and this redneck, yeah, I said it, redneck, literally, he had a sunburn on his neck and his tank top with his tattoos and his big old belly. He gets in the coop way too close to my wife and daughter, which caused them to leave the coop. And then we had to go see the ostrich, go see the cows. But at that point, I'm looking at this guy like, buddy, I know that you know what's going on in the world right now. Stop acting Like we can just get up close to one another at a petting barn. And why am I at a petting barn? I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's what you do with kids. You pet caged up animals and you feed them lettuce. And as if that's not bad at all, the same redneck, he goes into the little store, the little general store, and it clearly says lettuce, $2 to feed the goats. He just grabs it and goes back outside. Doesn't pay the two bucks. So the guy doesn't social distance. And the guy doesn't pay the two bucks. And all of a sudden, I'm enraged. All of a sudden, I'm not on vacation anymore. I'm just incensed. And I go, breathe. Get your Calm app. Do 10 minutes. That's me, Mr. Sensitive over here. Can't stand it. Supposed to be on vacation. And so I get back. I get back to vacation mentality. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Look, we're doing it. We got our masks. We're social distancing. And then we go to the beach and I'm having one of the most magnificent moments I've ever had with my daughter, throwing her in the air, running on the sand. We both have our newly knitted beanies for my wife who knits. Hey, why not give her a shout out? We both have our yellow sweatshirts on. Sunset. Huh? Ice cream. And all of a sudden, this is one of those wonderful moments that I'm going to cherish forever. I hear right behind me, and I'm not making this up. I'm not making any of this up. In fact, I'm going to give you the raw transcript of what I heard. Fucking bathrooms closed. Can't fucking eat in these restaurants. Got to fucking get takeout. Not going to have me wearing a fucking mask. I look behind me. And this guy, I'd say he's about 55 years old with his miserable wife, just listening to him rant so loud. Kids on the beach running with glee. And then this guy sitting on the cement wall with his can of beer, screaming, not homeless. This guy's not homeless, okay? That'd be one thing. If he was like truly insane, I could disregard it or at least try. But he wants us to hear. So I just start staring at this dude. And in this moment, I go from playing with my daughter to, you know what? I'm not a violent guy, but I'm fantasizing about beating your teeth in. Really, I reach that level of happiness and then turns to a hot shade of red. Once again, I'm not a violent person. 
I actually hate fights. I'm a peaceful man. But in this moment, just seeing his approach, talking about the Democrats, they got us in this situation, politicizing face masks. Buddy, buddy, let's go back. Let's go back in time where it all went wrong in your life. Let's take a science class. What pain are you feeling where you have to sit at the edge of a beach, a family-friendly beach, and start swearing about all the things you're pissed off about because the damn Democrats. And so I just stared at him, and he stared back. And in this fantasy in my mind, it was me just beating the shit out of him. And in my fantasy, I was a little bigger. See, I'm 5'8". I got a body like Craig Biggio, Mark Lemke. Can I use some old-school baseball player references? But in that moment, I kind of wanted, you know, a Travis LeBoy-style body. Can I use a local NFL hero reference right there? And I just picture myself, just incredible Hulk, like grabbing him, King Kong style, and just slamming his lifeless body against the asphalt in front of his wife. And deep down, his wife's kind of happy about it, but she has to scream. And then I go back and look at my wife, and I look at my daughter, and my wife knows. She knows me so well. She's like, oh boy, that is not going to be good. He doesn't just recover. He doesn't just rebound. So we walk away, put my daughter in the stroller, and we walk down the boardwalk get back to our hotel, and I'm still fantasizing. But then it's turning to reality. I'm like, if that did happen, if I just walked up to the student and said, you don't know anything about politics, coronavirus, face masks, or etiquette, and just had this little fantasy unfold realistically, that means cops come and he could have had a knife or had a gun. And you know, I'm thinking in front of my daughter getting arrested, for, you know, then I'm the problem, of course, right? So none of this happened. It's just all going through my head because I have such a high level of anxiety. I guess that I'm able to conjure up these really morbid yet vivid images of what could happen. What's the worst thing that could happen right now? My mind is so good at that. That's not a good thing. That's why you got to meditate. Why I got to meditate. My mind is really good at going there. You know, when you're on a road trip and that little one blip where you go, "Uh oh, what if we crash? I'm just driving straight. But what if something happens? My mind lives in that space probably more often than other people, which means I have a condition. I do. I have anxiety as an actual condition. See, everybody has anxiety. We're wired that way as humans. Everybody has certain levels, but it becomes a condition when you have to really manage it. And I have to. That's what I've realized. You know, it's just a few days in Avila Beach and all the many moments where you go, uh-oh, there it is. I can't sleep. Having scary thoughts. <laughs> But I look back at the pictures in my phone, I go, hey, it was a wonderful trip. Wonderful trip. It truly was. A few fantasies about beating people to a pulp. That's all, just a few. And nothing happened. In the end, smiles, laughter, lots of crab, lots of oysters, wine on the patio with our books. Yeah, folks, you can vacation. You can just wear a mask. Come on. There's really just two types of people now. You're wearing the mask. You're a good person. You're not wearing the mask. You're such a piece of shit. If you're not wearing the mask right now because you feel like it's the Democrats, the liberals making me wear a mask, you're such a piece of shit. You save lives by putting on a mask. I didn't even want to go there right now, but you know, I'm a little tired right now, a little cranky. I'm happy though. I think I'm happy right now. Let me just evaluate myself right now. Let's take a moment. And you take a moment right now too. Reflect. How's your mood right now? Okay. Okay. Actually, I am happy. Tomorrow's my anniversary, my four-year anniversary successful marriage so far. Believe it or not, it's almost surprising. I mean that. As somebody that has struggled in relationships throughout life, and I've done the therapy, I've been able to understand the psychology behind it. Why the panic? 
in relationships. Viewing a lifelong connection as something that is confining instead of the joy. And prior to this, this marriage works. Found a good one. The puzzle pieces fit. The chemistry is good. Very fortunate. Could have been the other way. Was it 50% of the population gets divorced? Is that it? One out of two couples get divorced? With those odds, it's amazing anybody does it. But think about your group of friends right now. Really, think about your group of friends right now and ask yourself, who has a really good marriage? And then who would love to go running for the hills? You know you could think right now with ease. It's easy to think, well, they probably would love to get the fuck away from each other. And then, well, then that couple, they work. They just work well. It's 50% and it takes work. See, I was a product of watching all the great Hollywood movies and the love stories, and it kind of depicts how it should feel. And of course, it does sometimes, and it doesn't sometimes. And if some things happen in your childhood that give you a skewed view of relationships, then later in life it comes to the surface. So you got to deal with your personal stuff, and then you could actually connect with another person. Is this why you tuned in for a little advice? It's not even advice. These are just facts. F-A-C-T-S, not facts. Okay, I'm not just reading a fax machine. It's coming through. These are just facts. Facts. I'm just reading my fax machine right now. It's coming through. It says you got to work on yourself in order to have a great pairing. Is that how a fax sounds coming in? Probably not. No, but these are facts. I can vividly remember being in relationships where nothing was wrong, except in my head, feeling panic. So usually people like me, I I shouldn't say usually, but I'm guessing not a lot of people like me get to that four-year anniversary and start to feel like it's getting even better, like it's going smoothly. Let love grow. Let love grow. I feel it. I'm celebrating. Should we uncork some champagne right here on the podcast? Four years with my wife. If you're an avid listener to this podcast, do you think it'd be easy to be married to me? Do you? I don't know. I'm actually not even insinuating anything. I'm just wondering. There are days I wake up and go, God damn, it must be tough. And then other days I wake up and I go, you lucky little vixen. Okay, no, I don't. I actually don't ever think that or say that, which is one of the keys to marriage. I'm not sure if I talk about marriage a lot on this podcast. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But if I do, I hope I speak honestly about it. I wish more people talked about the conflicts, the fights, the areas to improve. I always think that's a much better conversation than, yeah, things are going well. (laughs) We're getting by. We're doing our darndest. Yeah, it's great. It's great. We're doing real well. That's a boring conversation. You talk to people like that. I wish people would air their dirty laundry. Let me hear about the baggage. Let me hear the mental hurdles you face. And then that you battle and conquer together. And it gets better. I did have a therapist who said fighting is actually great because after a fight, if you resolve it once in a while, you have a good old-fashioned brouhaha. You resolve that properly. You learn how to communicate better. You'll learn a little bit about the other person's comfort zone. The idea of fearing fights. No, no, no. My old therapist, his eyes lit up when I said, yeah, we had one. And he's like, tell me. Let's talk. You ever talk to a friend about one of the fights they've had with their spouse? It's either relatable which makes it interesting or totally foreign, 
Like an issue you've never even heard of or thought about, which also makes it so fucking entertaining. God, I love talking about relationships with people, if they're honest. Honest like uh, Annie Hall. Alvy Singer and Annie Hall do not end up together at the end of that movie. Yet, it's one of the great love stories of all time. One Best Picture of the Academy Awards. It's probably my favorite movie of all time. And it was not a classic Hollywood ending. By the end, the viewer goes, yeah, you guys probably shouldn't be together. And it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes it's okay to say that. And then other times you go, man, if this movie ends and they don't get together, that's going to be a shitty movie. Most of us cheer for happily ever after. In our lives and in the movies. So celebrating the quattro. What do you buy a woman for the quattro? For your four-year anniversary, you zip her right on through that in-and-out drive-thru. Double-double, dear? Yeah, double-double, honey. Animal style. I've been trying to eat so well lately, but we did hit up In-N-Out recently, and I've only been to In-N-Out in my life maybe eight or nine times. This was the best it's ever been. The one in Salinas. Let me give a shout-out to the good employees of the Salinas In-N-Out for having us. It was just a terrific experience. But seriously, my wife, she knows her way around an In-N-Out, let me tell you. She knows that secret menu. But is there a better drive through experience? You kidding me? That employee who comes outside, with their mask, of course, comes outside to get your order. By the time you pull up to the window, it's there, it's ready, it's hot. Hit it, get it, go. All right, but aside from In-N-Out, I think I've lost eh, 1.76 pounds, maybe two pounds in the last month. So we're celebrating a couple things around the house lately. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going big. We are, we are. You know what true love is? My wife and I both simultaneously reading Hunter S. Thompson's book, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, right now. That's what we're doing. That's hot romance right there. That is one incredible acid trip of a book. You could be totally sober reading Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. You feel high as a kite. That is good writing. Gonzo journalism. This book's from the 70s. The Johnny Depp movie came out in the 90s, and I remember... There are a few of us in my group of friends that would watch that movie, just like a lot of people, I guess, used to watch, what, Fantasia, to enhance an experience, watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny Depp and Benicio Del Toro, the first 20 minutes, you kidding me? You're like, is this fiction? Is this sci-fi? Is this a real story? He's going out to Vegas to cover a motorcycle race, and they just fill the car with drugs and booze and pick up a hitchhiker and soak the rugs with ether snorting coke drinking budweiser flying down the highway at 110 miles per hour in the way hunter s thompson writes he's describing all of his hallucinations all of his visuals and his internal thoughts and also he's you know doing the dialogue as well it's brilliant i mean the guy was so brilliant i gotta read more i have not read a lot of his stuff but this is the first time in my life i'm reading a book for the second time i've never done that so you could do that with movies, of course, with TV shows, watch them again, with a book. I've never thought that was a good idea, but I haven't read this book since I was in high school. And I genuinely, I'm not making this up. I feel stoned when I read it. And I'm not stoned really, but that's how good the writing is. That's how good the writing is. I actually feel like I'm experiencing it. And the movie was good too. Unfortunately, though, I did what you shouldn't do. Saw the movie and then read the book. Because I saw the movie, that's Johnny Depp. Good looking Johnny Depp. What a performance. It wouldn't be long before the bats would arrive. My attorney, that savage beast, was making no sense. We were 30 miles outside of Sin City. It's, just, it's a great performance. 
Yet as I'm reading the book, I'm just picturing Johnny Depp. That's why it's not good. Because the movie gives you all the imagery, and then when you read the book, the theater of the mind is dimmed. You want the theater of the mind to be your own original thoughts, but I'm just picturing Johnny Depp the whole time, which is still good. It's still good, but the real Hunter S. Thompson, if you Google images of this guy, holy moly, this guy's from Mars. And then after we read the book, we're really gonna celebrate this anniversary by dropping acid for a few nights and just watching that movie on loop. No, no, we're not. Oh, oh yes, yes, we do have a child. We do have a kid, so we go to sleep a little bit after 10 p.m. Okay, if it gets crazy, 11. There's a few movies on that list, aren't there? Where you could be sober and watch them, and then at the end, while the credits are rolling, you're like, oh boy, I probably shouldn't drive. Like I just feel off. Those are fun. Even for someone with debilitating anxiety, pal? Yeah, yeah, still fun, still fun. I'm just going to ask you a question, and if you don't know, back away. If you do know, get a hold of me. Why the letter Z for cartoon snoring? Z, 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 Z. Every cartoon ever, somebody's sleeping. Z, 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 Z. Hey, first of all, artist, just learn how to draw eyes that are closed, and we will understand it's sleeping. And then if you give me a stream of Zs in the air... I'm not going to say that makes sense. Okay, of course. We all Z-Z-Z-Z-Z when we sleep. Snoring is not z Snoring is So how do you spell that? I'm thinking like R-C-H-R. No, I'm thinking C-H-K. No K. Maybe C- I don't know. Maybe you don't spell it. It's just a good old-fashioned sound. You don't have to spell every sound. Why Z's for cartoon snoring? Just admit you don't know. You don't know. I don't know. How did we agree upon that? That's one of the many things that we, the earthlings, have agreed upon that makes no sense. There's a giant list of things like that, that we, the earthlings, have agreed upon that makes no sense. Can I tell you what my favorite podcast has been? And I mean this sincerely. My absolute favorite podcast in the like the last six months. It's been Chris D'Elia's podcast. It's called Congratulations with Chris D'Elia. I'm bringing this up for a few reasons. Yeah. Number one, his podcast was so damn funny. I honestly would be on my dog walks laughing out loud like a fool. Somebody that walks their dog is just laughing. The neighbors must have honestly thought I was nuts. Just laughing. In my car listening, laughing out loud, crying. Actually, such big laughs that it probably wasn't safe to drive for certain stretches. Because when I laugh, I mean, I probably have a good one, maybe three times a month. Like a good one where you fall apart. Where you fall apart. There's so many different types of laughs. But you know that one where you just, you're done. If that happens when you're driving, you shouldn't be driving. Chris D'Elia's podcast, at times, was that funny. Now, his stand-up comedy, he is a stand-up comic which is why people know him, is awful. It's so weird. It made no sense. His specials, and especially his most recent, just dog shit. Like, terrible jokes. Unfunny premises, no delivery. It just didn't make sense that the guy on the podcast, who sounded like a real person, would have a persona on stage like that. His comedy, if you've only seen his comedy, you'd say, yeah, he's not that funny. Not for me. 
I, I don't really know anybody that loves Dalia the comedian or Dalia the actor, but Dalia's podcast was my favorite of all the podcasts. And there's thousands and thousands out there. His really was my favorite every week. It'd be like a big source of joy. And then, actually, I could do better. And then, I got off Twitter, but my buddy Rick said, you might want to see why Delia's trending. Okay. Turns out this guy likes to direct message young girls. When I say young, you know, 15, 16, 17, underage. I should just say underage girls whenever he's in their city performing, trying to have sex with them. Now, if this was a situation where they were all over the age of 18, it's still pretty shady, right? To just creep up into somebody's direct messages and say, hey, I'm a famous stand-up comedian. I'll be in your city ready to have sex. I mean, it happens. I understand celebrities are in a different world. They have the green light to a lot of this stuff, especially a lot of the celebrities from yesteryear that we glamorize. These hound dogs. It's not glamorized anymore. With the Me Too movement, the cancel culture... A lot of the celebrities today, they can't be living that lifestyle, bringing all these women home because it's all documented. Text messages that were sent, they'll be tweeted out. Uh, sexting, you don't want to do that. That'll be tweeted out. Okay, with a screen grab, everything now lives forever. It's not just lore. It's not just my word versus your word. People have proof nowadays. So all these girls came forward. It was like a Twitter storm against Chris D'Elia. Yeah, he did this to me too. And he contacted me when I was 16 and he showed me his erect penis when I was in his hotel room and I was just a fan and all these stories and stories and stories. So did I get back on Twitter for a moment? Well, I just read the articles, but they had screen grabs of the tweets and I'm reading all of this and going, oh, he's done. Like officially done in one night, 30 women Came forward and just said, oh yeah, I have the same Chris D'Elia story. When I was 17, he did this. When I was 16, he did this. And I was just like, that's it. That's it. There's certain things you can't rebound from. I don't think he can. I mean, sure, due process, I guess. But if you just read all of it, you're not jumping to conclusions to realize, oh, this dude's a bit of a predator. Like, I'm a dad. I have a daughter. When my daughter's 16, if I heard a famous comedian is writing her private messages, like, let's have sex. Oh, my God. I'd be as mad as I was at the guy on the cement stairs who's saying, fucking liberals. Actually, no, I think I was more mad with that guy than I would be than if Chris D'Elia was direct messaging my daughter because I would have faith that my daughter is so strong by the time she's a teen that she would say, no, thanks. But a lot of these girls were probably enamored with him. Good looking, famous guy. But then when it got down to it, they were like, eh, some people had morals stepping up and saying, yeah, this probably shouldn't be happening. So they all at once came after him. And I guess this is a long way of saying, yeah, I didn't get to listen to his podcast this week. He needs to just have one more, right? Like just one more podcast explaining his side. I think he released a statement basically saying, I got to be better. I got to be better. Like I didn't know that they were all underage pretty disgusting in that sense and in the comic community where a lot of other comedians have probably done this as well they're probably worried too they're like uh oh somebody gonna reveal my secret text messages so weird that that was the podcast i loved yeah done done so yeah i need a podcast recommendation if anybody knows of a good one there's no bouncing back from that chris all right still a funny guy it's like Bill Cosby. He was still a great comedian. It's tough to just go around giving Bill compliments. How about this? My mom is decluttering her house. 
which means you just bring a bunch of bullshit to the curb with a sign that says free, and I'm proud of her, finally decluttering her house. And I pulled into her driveway the other day, and there were some vinyls in a box, one of them, Bill Cosby himself, the album. I took it. It's in my car right now. Why? I don't know. I don't even have a good reason. But right now in my car, I have Bill Cosby's vinyl of his incredible stand-up album titled himself, Proud of My Mom. Getting rid of the old Bill Cosby. But yeah, that might stay in the family. Or maybe I should throw it away. I don't know. It's just, come on, that's kind of sacred, right? Or no, is it just trash at this way? It's trash. It's garbage. I'll throw that away. Okay, I'm happy we had this moment. All right, it's summertime, summertime. Hey, folks, it's summertime. When folk music sounds good. I like folk music. I'll just say that right now. I do. I like it in the summer. Reminds me of Camp Tawanga. Being near a lake. Play some folk. I like it. It's good. Outdoor time. Put on some Cat Stevens. Some Bob Dylan. Some Simon and Garfunkel. Some Crosby, Stills, and Nash. A lot of Neil Young stuff. Very folksy. Some Peter, Paul, and Mary. Put it on. Go ahead. Go ahead. I've been playing it. Rediscovered the great Arlo Guthrie song, City of New Orleans. Do you know people that say New Orleans? City of New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. From the Alice's Restaurant vinyl that my mom did not put out on the curb. She kept her Arlo Guthrie. Okay, breaking news this hour. My mom kept the Arlo Guthrie. And I've been bumping that shit. Turn up the bass. So good morning, America. How are you? Don't you know me? Okay, so Guthrie covered it. Willie Nelson did it really well as well. But a guy named Steve Goodman wrote it. And I had to Google that because I thought it was Guthrie's song. No, a guy named Steve Goodman that most people have not heard of. Folksy Steve, we called him. Dumb folker Steve, I used to call him down on the schoolyard. Now, his version was eh. Arlo Guthrie's version, Dynamite, Willie Nelson's version, pretty damn good. But you know whose version I like? Isaac Zones. My buddy Isaac, who officiated my wedding four years ago, is a hell of a troubadour. He's a folksy, folk singer, mother folker himself. And I texted him a video of me singing Arlo Guthrie with my shirt off, folks. I'm losing weight, okay? So I texted him a video. Texted a few friends a video of me with my shirt off uh, singing some Arlo Guthrie. Why? Because I'm a weird fuck. Okay, sorry. I'm a accent. No, unique. I'm a unique fella. But I said, give me your rendition. And he came through. So I'm going to take you out with Isaac Zones, City of New Orleans. And that'll be how episode 97 ends. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. Right now, the city of New Orleans. Illinois Central Monday morning rail Fifteen cars and fifteen restless riders Three conductors, twenty-five sacks of mail Along the southbound Odyssey The train pulls out of Kankakee Rolls past the houses, farms and fields Towns that have no name, freight yards full of old black men, and the graveyards of the rusty automobiles. Good morning, America. How are you?